different styles of preaching that we find in the book of Acts. Two different methods that were used in, for two different, entirely different audiences. And so we'll look at that, why that took place, how effective were they, and how does that apply to us today. Uh, John chapter 18, verses 37 and 38 states this. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. So we find here Pilate asking a very important question. And that's a question that all of us should be asking if we haven't already. Uh, most people in the world today are asking this in some form, fashion, or other. What is truth? And more importantly, more specifically, if there is truth, can we find it? Is that something that's knowable? Because there are philosophies out there that are being taught in school that state that truth is unknowable. It's impossible to know what, what's true and what's not, so figure it out for yourself. You get to determine it all on your own. That's your truth. This is my truth. That's their truth. And they're all completely different, but they're all equally valid. It makes no sense. But when you divorce yourself from biblical truth, it's like cutting the anchor off a ship. And you go out on into the sea, and anything goes. It's wherever the current takes you. First Peter 3.15, again, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So again, according to this verse uh, in review... We are to be prepared to give a reasoned response as to what we believe, why we believe this. We learned previously that there are two fundamental truths people must acknowledge before they come to the Lord. First, God is the creator and therefore the owner of everything. He's the lawgiver, an absolute ruler of his creation. He created it, therefore he owns it, therefore he and he only has the right to make the rules. Number two, God's word is our sole authority and foundational truth through which everything else is judged. <clears throat> We're going to discover a little bit more clearly tonight that the human brain, as it is right now, is utterly incapable of discerning truth on its own. We are not equipped at this point. Now, I believe that before the fall, we probably were. It's kind of irrelevant at this point. But at this point, after the fall, without the, the help of God and revealed truth, it is impossible for us to arrive at truth on our own. So God's word is our sole authority. It's our foundational truth. And through, through the word of God, we judge everything else. 
If someone accepts both premises, then we can confidently present to them what Scripture has to say about salvation. They accept that God is the creator. He writes the laws. If they can accept that the word of God is absolutely true. Now we have a point to go off of. Now we can show them in Scripture what God has to say about everything, including salvation. But if someone does not accept those premises, then we've got to work to persuade them of these truths. Again, it doesn't, it makes no sense to try to, to show them Acts 238 if, if they have no faith in a God at all and this is just another religious book in their mind. And we'll get into that, if not this lesson, the next lesson. Okay, these preconditions of intelligibility. These are conditions that have to exist before we could be able uh, to understand or to make sense of anything. This is something that is thrown around in, in uh, philosophical circles, definitely Christian philosophy. These include subjects like the laws of logic, laws of contradiction, non-contradiction, laws of morality, human dignity and worth, and reliability of memory. Now, we're going to go more in depth into each of these, but these conditions have to be in, in existence before we can understand anything. <clears throat> if there are no laws of logic, for example, it would be impossible for us to discern truth because everybody's opinions are true then. There would be no way to refute anybody. So laws of logic have to be there. Laws of non-contradiction. Well, let's just go into them. Laws of logic. God is, this is one of the characteristics of God. It's not necessarily a spiritual characteristic. We wouldn't consider it a fruit of the spirit uh, logic. But it is a characteristic of God. This is how God thinks naturally. He thinks rationally. He thinks logically. He is not illogical. He is not irrational. He's a very logical, rational being. This is how he thinks naturally, automatically. We, I believe, used to, but we don't anymore. <clears throat> we were created, we are created in the image and likeness of God. So it follows then, if he is a logical, rational being, then we ought to strive to be logical and rational as well. After the fall, sin corrupted and broke our ability to think this way. Right now, we understand what laws of logic are. We understand what it is to be logical, what it is to be rational, what it is to have a cogent argument. We understand what that is. But internally, we have a lot to contend with now. We have to contend with wrong assumptions, false assumptions. Emotional hijacking, fallacies, cognitive biases, mental heuristics, all of these things and more keep us from being able to discern truth. All of these things are lessons in and of themselves. They're fascinating. They're very fascinating. But 
They work against us when we're trying to discern truth. Because we have great difficulty thinking this way naturally, now we have to come up with, we have to discover these laws of logic. How is it that God thinks? We say he's a logical, rational being. So how does he think? How does logic work? What are the rules of the game, as it were? Well, we've been able to, to figure them out fairly comprehensively. Has anybody studied logic? I don't blame you. Not one bit. Uh, it's kind of a dry topic. I find it very fascinating. Uh, but it's, yeah. There are a lot of uh, books on it, and every one that I've come across and read is, it's tough to get through. But they detail in these books different laws, different fallacies that you need to avoid. Uh, wrong ways of thinking, right ways of thinking. So as children of God, we're tasked with becoming Christ-like and helping others to do the same. One of those characteristics that we're trying to build in our, our lives is reasonableness, rationality. Okay? <clears throat> we need to be reasonable and specifically... When we're presenting the gospel, we need to understand that we, ours is a reasonable faith. There are, uh, I used to troll the, uh, atheist forums, uh, a while ago, just to see what they say, their arguments, things like that. One of the things that was popular, and this was several years ago now, was believing in the flying spaghetti monster. Anybody ever hear of the flying spaghetti monster? No, it is very popular on these atheistic forums. Uh, because if you can believe in God, I can believe in the flying spaghetti monster. I have just as much right to do that. Well, that's not really true, though. Because they have no reason whatsoever to believe in the flying spaghetti monster other than they're trying to use it as a counter against us. We have all kinds of reasons to believe in God. We have historical evidence. We have, uh, we just, a uh, lesson or two ago, we talked about uh, documentary evidence, uh, the original manuscripts, all of those. Uh, we have experiential evidence, uh, geographical, ge geological, astronomical, archaeological, I mean, the list goes on and on. The evidence is that we can present to someone, at least if they have an open mind. Now, we said earlier that all evidences are filtered through those specific colored glasses that everyone wears. So most people, when we show them the evidence, they're going to filter it through their worldview, and they will determine either, well, we don't have all the information yet, or they're going to come up with some counterargument how their worldview explains the evidence. That's why a while ago I gave up on evidence. I used to be big on evidence. I have a lot of evidence to present to people. Uh, but it, it was very frustrating when I discovered that they're using the exact same evidence to demonstrate their worldview. And I started to wonder, how can... How can two reasonably intelligent people 
believe the exact opposite things. They see the same evidence and come to diametrically opposed conclusions. It's like uh, there's a story. Uh, uh, there's a city guy driving. This has popped into my head. There's a city guy driving down through the country uh, trying to get to uh, wherever he was going, grandma's house. And uh, on the side of the road, he saw this uh, this farmer. And uh, uh, one of the cows was giving birth. And so he was fascinated, had some time. So he, he pulled off to the side of the road, went down there. He wanted to see this. He'd never seen this before. And uh, so he's watching everything, watching everything. Finally, it comes out. <clears throat> And uh, when he got down there, it was like halfway out. And he was using a, a calf extractor trying to get the thing out. And he finally pulled it out. And uh, as he was doing that, he was kind of explaining to the guy what was going on and the process and everything. And after everything was done, he's like, so do you have any questions on that? I just got one question. How fast was that calf going? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that's no, not at all. <laughs> but he made a conclusion based on what he saw. That's what we all do. But it was obviously the wrong conclusion. So, uh depending on the world view you have, Depending on the presuppositions you have, you can come to the right conclusion or a very wrong conclusion based on the same exact evidences. So it's very important that we understand that, one, we have a worldview, and so does everybody else. Two, which one is the right worldview? Because that's the only one that's going to filter everything correctly. The right worldview will filter those evidences, the arguments, everything that comes into our brain correctly. If we have the wrong worldview, if we have a wrong presupposition, if we have a, a false uh, idea of what's right and wrong, that's going to skew how we view these things, and we're going to end up with the wrong conclusion. Reason, logic, these are rules that when followed will allow us to think like God does. He, again, he thinks this way automatically. And there are many examples of God reasoning with his people or his people reasoning with others. We'll just go through some really quick. Uh, 1 Samuel 12 and 7 says, Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. Job 9.14, how much less shall I answer him and choose out my words to reason with him? Job 13 and 3, surely I would speak to the Almighty and I desire to reason with God. Isaiah 1.18, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Mark 12.28, one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, them being Jesus and the, the scribes and Pharisees, and perceiving that he had answered them well, Jesus did, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? 
So Jesus was reasoning with the other people. The reasoning powers of Jesus were actually too much for the Pharisees and the scribes. They could not trap him or trip him up. They tried. They tried and tried, but they could not do it. And my favorite example is in Matthew 22, 17 through 22. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Again, they were trying to trap him. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is the image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. They wanted nothing to do with that anymore. Examples of God's people reasoning with others. We find a lot of this in the, the New Testament. Acts 17 and 2. Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Now that's important. He didn't reason with them from Greek philosophy. He didn't reason with them from uh, any other, from Roman law. He reasoned from them out of the Scriptures. Acts 18.4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Acts 18.19, He came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Acts 24.25, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. That's another message. And 1 Peter 3.15, we've already read, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We have reasons to believe what we do. Ours is a reasonable faith. We don't believe in the flying spaghetti monster. Uh, we don't believe in the boogeyman. Okay, We believe in a real, actual God who really actually exists and did everything that he said he did. That's who we believe in. That's whose word we have and upon which we stand today. All of creation reflects its creator in size, complexity, structure, power, etc. It reflects God in every conceivable way, every way that it is able to. Again, the size of the universe reflects a really, really big God. All of the energy that exists in the universe. 400 billion stars in the Milky Way. There are several hundred billion galaxies in the observable universe. There's a lot of energy out there. God is a powerful God. That's what that reflects to us. And so uh, we see the we see the design, the the intricacy of his creation, from the very largest to the very smallest. The natural laws that we've discovered are perfect. They're perfect. They work all the time, every time, and they work just as well here as they do at the outer edge of the galaxy. There's no difference. Whoever made this thing is a very intelligent being. Creation reflects its creator. When we observe God's creation with the right presuppositions, we can agree with the psalmist in chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. 
When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? It gives us a proper perspective of things. We, of course, however, have flaws, errors in our thought process. Our thinking and our reasoning needs to be guided by laws, rules of logic. These rules that God comes up with naturally. He, he thinks this way naturally. Whenever we try to reason in our own power, apart from God, apart from God's word, we end up with the wrong conclusions. Uh, if we look at uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, we have one example of that. They reason among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? They came to a wrong conclusion. They thought Jesus was talking about one thing when he was talking about something else entirely. When we observe God's creation with the wrong presuppositions, we end up in Romans 1, chapter 19 through 25. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath sowed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. No one has an excuse to not believe in God. No one. By observing creation, God gives himself witness that he exists. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Now, when the Bible says fools, uh, God is not mocking people. God is not making fun of people. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. That's what he means by fool. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So we see this downward spiral that takes place once we, we cut ourselves loose from truth. Once we divorce ourselves from truth, we start to spiral into this craziness. That's the only word I can think of to describe it. Craziness. And again, I'm not mocking anyone. I'm saying that, well... We understand that God's thoughts are higher than is higher than our thoughts, his ways than our ways, right? We see the teachings of Christ in the New Testament. How that a lot of them seem backwards or upside down. If you'll be first, you'll have to be last. If you would be ruler of all, you've got to be servant of all. If you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. These things don't make sense to us. But, see, here's the thing. 
Those are the things that are supposed to make sense. Those are the things that properly reflect reality. Why they don't make sense is because our thinking is all screwed up. We're not looking at at God saying, that seems really strange and weird. We ought to be looking at that and saying, well, the way I'm thinking now is really strange and weird then. Because Jesus speaks nothing but truth. His words are God's words, the word of God, always true. And so these things that Jesus, these weird things seemingly to our own mind that Jesus teaches, they are truth. They are what accurately reflect reality. How did God create everything? His spoken word. The word of God created everything. So it stands to reason then that God's word should comport with creation. They should line up perfectly. Well, it turns out they do. Isn't that awesome? They do. They line up perfectly. God's word accurately describes reality all the way down, all the way up. And you can take it as far as you want. I've taken it kind of far. But you can take it as far as you want. It lines up. It's amazing. And it's because that's what created everything. So they have to mesh. It's the only thing that will mesh. God's word is the only thing that will mess with reality. Because that's what created all of reality. Because we have been made in the image and likeness of God, God expects us, he wants us to reason correctly. We can't, though, because of sin. We can if we submit ourselves to God and to God's word and conform to his image. Laws of non-contradiction. This states that something cannot be both A and non-A at the same time in the same place. For example, you say the sky is blue, I say the sky is green. We can't both be right. One's got to be right, one's got to be wrong. Now, which it is, that's, that's another part of the argument. But we know right away one of us is wrong because of the law of non-contradiction. Things are not allowed to contradict themselves. How does that apply to us? Well, for example, I can't teach at a a public school or a university that we evolved from a rock 4.6 billion years ago, and therefore we're, you're about a buck 86 worth of chemicals and water. And that's it. That's all you're worth. When you die, you're going to be recycled into a fern or a plant, and that's it. You're annihilated. You can't teach someone that without expecting them to start believing that and saying, well, this is meaningless. This is absolutely meaningless. But at the same time, that same professor, that same school teacher will go home, love on his kids, 
kiss his wife or his or her husband as if they had worth, as if they mattered. Now, thank God, most of the people in the United States today, they do contradict themselves. I thank God for that. Because if they actually lived that worldview all the way out, that's what Hitler did. He was consistent with his beliefs. He was trying to help evolution out by wiping out the, the lower species. Right. So, thank God that most people are not consistent with their belief system. But that's what we can point out to them. We are consistent with our belief system. At least we ought to be. <clears throat> They're not. And we can point that out to them. You're teaching this, but you believe that. If their, if their spouse died, if their kids died, they'd, they'd be in a period of mourning. As if, as if they mattered. Now, a corollary of that is, uh, there's, there's, uh, something called determinism. Where it's, you can't blame anybody for anything, it's in their genes. It's, it's, it's in their upbringing. It's, it's not their fault. But, at the same time, they will, they will chastise a student for cheating on a test. Well, I can't help myself. I, I was just born that way. But that doesn't fly. That doesn't work. Inconsistent. And that's something we can point out. We'll talk more about that, uh, analyzing worldviews and, and, and what questions to ask people. <clears throat> Let's bring it down to us. I can't preach the importance of knowing God's Word, and I don't read God's Word. We can't tell someone how powerful prayer is, and we don't pray. There's an inconsistency, too. A more modern example is, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard anything about this, but there's this kind of a movement thing where transgender men want to play in women's sports. The women generally are all for it, the transgender part, but when they start winning at their sports, because they're men, now there's a problem. Now we don't believe in it anymore. Yeah. One guy hadn't, hadn't really lifted any weights in his life. Just went to a gym and broke the woman's deadlift record. <clears throat> so, but now they don't like that. It's all, it's all well and good. When it's nebulous, when it's theory, when it's over here, but when it starts impacting them, now we got a problem. Inconsistent. So in the, in the first example, the professor, the teacher, we've got to take care of the inconsistency. 
Either A, acknowledge that humans do in fact have worth, because that's how you're living anyway. <clears throat> or find a way to make sense of the contradiction. And that's what most people end up doing. They will salvage their worldview, because that's more important than an individual argument. They will salvage the worldview first. And they will say things like, well, we don't have all the information yet. Evolutionists use that a lot. We don't have all the information yet. Science, Once science catches up, we'll be able to explain that. Or they'll have a, more, a better explanation. Well, because of evolution and the way the, the tectonic plates worked and blah, 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 that's why things are the way they are. And I'm, I'm not giving their – they actually have good-sounding arguments. Okay, I'm not, I'm not doing credit to their arguments. They're false. They're patently false but they don't sound as weird as I'm making them sound. Example two, either acknowledge you're wrong and start reading God's word, or justify my actions based on my actual worldview. Because if I truly, uh, if I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong, it's because I have a different worldview than Scripture presents. I don't actually believe that this is God's word. I don't actually believe in the power of prayer. That's why I'm not praying. If I believe in it and I'm not doing it, then I need to realize that I'm not praying. I need to pray. If I'm not doing that, it's probably because I don't actually believe it. Laws of morality. Most everyone agrees that there are such things as right and wrong, We'll, we'll disagree on the specifics as to what is right and what is wrong, but most everyone agrees that there is such a thing as right actions and wrong actions. Okay? <clears throat> what's right and what's wrong, that's another argument. But I like to ask people, for example, murder. Do you believe murder is wrong? Well, of course we believe murder is wrong, and we can explain why. We were created in the image and likeness of God. And God places a high value on human life. That's why murder is wrong. He commanded us not to murder. And so, we can explain why we believe that way. And I agree with you, sir, ma'am. I believe murder is wrong. But from your worldview, why is it wrong? And you will find that people have a hard time answering that. Maybe they haven't thought it through that far. But when you start asking specific questions, why do you believe that? From your worldview, from your evolutionary, humanist, whatever it is, worldview, why do you believe murder is wrong? Well, because it's not good for society. Well, from your worldview, why should I care about society? All I'm caring about is me, right? Survival of the fittest. So again, I'm asking, why is it wrong? They can't answer the question. And that presents a problem to them. This inconsistency. And that's where hopefully God can step in and start working on someone. Helping them to see. My belief system is not quite right. 
I can't explain that. Now, generally, they're not going to say that in front of you. I don't think I've ever had anyone say that in front of me. But when they're laying in bed at night, they're going to be thinking about that. I've had, I have had people come back and want to talk some more. But pointing out those inconsistencies is one way we can get them to see. And we're going to, we're going to focus more on that next week. But anyway, so laws of morality, they exist. Everyone believes they exist, but they can't explain why. We can. Human dignity and worth. <clears throat> Why do we treat people as if they have worth? Why do we love our spouse, our children? Uh, this is another angle of the inconsistency argument. Most people will have a difficult time telling you why. Why do you love your wife? Why do you love your kids? They're a bag of chemicals. Right? I mean, am I right, Professor? They're a bag of chemicals. <clears throat> Once they're gone, they're, they're gone. I could just find another bag of chemicals to love. If I need that chemical reaction in my brain that produces those feelings, which is what they also believe. It's just a chemical reaction in the brain. So why do you believe people have worth? Why, you, why at least are you acting like they do? They can't answer it, not cogently. Reliability of memory. Why should we trust our memory? If all our brains are a collection of matter and molecules in motion, chemicals reacting, why should I trust what comes out of it? There's a lot of random stuff going on in there. I mean, it sounds like the way you're, you're presenting it. <clears throat> the humanists have no good reason to trust memory or anything the brain produces. If you look at their writings, their honest writings on the subject, I mean, memory itself, <clears throat> most people believe that the things that we remember, we're not actually remembering the event, we're remembering the last time we remembered it. And that's been carried on all the way through. Now, I sure hope that's not true. That was a little disturbing to me. But they believe it. And so if that's, I mean, if that's the case, my memory's not that reliable at all, at least not long term. Do we believe in, now, most of us don't have a perfect memory, okay? But generally, we can remember the big things. If we set ourselves to memorize scripture, <laughs> Brother Parker, have you memorized some scriptures in your life? A few? <laughs> yeah. That works. We can remember scripture. I can remember scriptures I memorized five, ten years ago. You guys probably can too. So we believe that. We believe in the re general reliability of memory. And we can explain that. It's God's desire for us to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Word of God. We're supposed to hide His Word in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. These things are presented to us in Scripture. 
And they tell us, yeah, God created us to learn, to grow, to mature. That's how he made us. And he expects that that's going to take place. So we can explain why we believe in reliability of memory. Again, they cannot. Okay. I'm just going to present this, and we'll probably have to finish this next week. Jew versus Greek. First uh, Corinthians one twenty three says, But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. Okay, so uh, in this portion we're going to be looking at two separate sermons. One preached on, by Peter right after the day of Pentecost and another in Acts chapter 17 which was preached by Paul on Mars Hill. They're two entirely different sermons. They take two entirely different paths. And we're going to analyze them, and we're going to look at uh, how they preached it, you know, the different parts, and why. Why did they do it this way? Well, it was because of the audience they were preaching to. And uh, I have alluded in, in previous messages that our, our society is becoming less and less churched. Fifty years ago, I mean, when I came into church uh, in, the, in 1990, it was still kind of that way. Most people had a, some kind of a church background. I was born and raised Lutheran, so and I went to Sunday school, catechism, I mean, the whole shebang. So I had some understanding of Scripture. I had a knowledge of who God was. I believed in God. I believed that he created everything. All of these foundational things were already in place. I had two parents, and, you know, they certainly weren't in church at the time, but they did their best. And, you know, I think they did a pretty good job. <clears throat> they think they did a pretty good job. <laughs> but, uh, oh, there wasn't a whole lot of baggage that I was carrying with me into this relationship with God. I had some baggage. I was in the world, but not like people coming out from the world today who have no idea who God is. They have no idea what it is to be a man or to be a woman in today's society. The gender confusion is rampant. They have, they came from a, a broken home or maybe no home at all. That's quickly becoming the norm. They've never cracked open a Bible. They've never darkened a, a church door. The only, the only time they hear the word Jesus Christ is when they stub their toe or smash their thumb. And so when they come into church, there's a whole lot more work that needs to be done. And so when we look at these two different sermons... They were preaching to two different audiences. Peter was preaching to the Jews, the churched people, who already had an understanding of God. They knew the scriptures. They believed in God. They knew he created everything. They had this foundation already. So we're going to find that Peter, he basically just quoted scripture. He read the prophecies. 
And we're going to find Paul, who is preaching to the Greeks, no experience with God. Gods, but not the one true God. So he had to start from an, an entirely different place and present the gospel an entirely different way. Next week we'll go more into that. It's time to close. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at that in depth, and given enough time, we'll start the, uh, the process by which we can discover what someone's worldview is and help them to see that ours is the correct one. Because ours is the correct one. Ours is the only one that's internally and externally consistent. It's consistent with itself. It's consistent with all of reality. It's the only one that can properly and effectively explain everything. Amen.